You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Yesterday, Yesterday, and Yes Tomorrow. It's going to be pretty simple. You ask God, what's the question? Whatever he says, you got to decide what the answer is. And it's just best to decide before you even get going that the answer is going to be yes. There are lots of people in Scripture who chose poorly, and the answer was no. It did not go well for them. There are people in Scripture that said yes, and you say, well, it went well for them. If you read Hebrews 11, especially the back half of Hebrews 11, it didn't go well for them. But the answer still has to be yes, if you're going to please God. So let's start in Genesis chapter 6. And if you know anything about the Bible, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you know, but by chapter 6, he's wiping the whole place out. People have become violent, and he said, I'm taking them all out except for Noah and his family and told Noah to build this boat. There's actually a, an ark in the United States, a recreation. I know the guys that built that. You got ark questions, they got ark answers. And looks like it took 100 years to build this ark. So if God comes to you and says, okay, I'm wiping out the world, I'm gonna save your family and the animals, two of every kind, they'll come to you. We'll load them up on the boat and I'll close the door. Are you in? You say, well, sure, I'd do that. I don't know. Because there's pretty simple stuff in Scripture that God asks us to do. And I know a lot of people go, I'm not doing that. I was one of those people and still am one of those people on occasion where I read something and he says, okay, this is what we're doing. I go, well, that's maybe what you're doing. That's not what I'm doing. And you say, well, how's that work out for you? Not very well. So it's just a matter of how much time are you willing to burn saying no to God before you finally say yes to God and get on with the life that he intended. So some very interesting verses. I'm not going to read you the whole Noah story, but go down to verse 22 of Genesis chapter 6. So God has laid out this whole thing, what he's going to do, and look at verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. That's the answer. So what's he told you to do? What's he told me to do? Well, yeah, he said to do this, but I'm interested in this over here. Simple things. You say, well, what does this apply to? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Wait a minute, but I got plans, I got goals, I got dreams, I got things I want to do. What about all that? What if you pursue all that? It's kind of the guy that described, I spent my life climbing a ladder and then got to the end of my life and realized it was leaning up against the wrong building. Just completely missed the whole thing. But what is he asking you to do? So we had a story shared today already. A 73-year-old, I think it is, grandfather, with his 10-year-old granddaughter on the man's birthday. He shares the gospel. He's been talking to his granddaughter, shares the gospel with her, and says, let me know if you'd ever like to pray and become a Christian. And what did she say? I'd like to pray. So what is his responsibility? It's to be available. Was he available? Yes. So you wake up in the morning, you say, okay, Lord, you're not asking me to go to some Pharaoh, to some king, maybe, you know, I don't know what my life entails, but what is he asking for is just simple obedience, just in the situations of your life. 
Another lady shared about going into a restaurant with a bunch of friends. The waitress was not very nice. They asked her, how can we pray for you? And long story short, her mother's sick in the hospital. You know, people got problems. And so they prayed for her. Her whole demeanor changed. Her attitude changed. You got to know people are hurting. And the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, lives inside of you. And he's putting you out there in the world. And if you will just stop saying no to his promptings and stop quenching and grieving what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, it's just mind-boggling what can happen. My brother took me overseas recently on a trip we took together. And it was to a Muslim country. We thought it would be a little, you know, they'd be a little standoffish. You couldn't say Jesus. Well, that went out the window then about 30 seconds because there's more Christians there than I've seen anywhere in the world. And one guy in particular that worked in the hotel, his name was Kelvin from Kenya. And he was there working in this country. He was running the kind of five o'clock. There's this little thing on a certain floor. My brother's got all these points and I got no points, but anyhow, I'm with him. So there's free kind of hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And Kelvin ran this. So we start talking to Kelvin about Jesus. And would you believe Jesus died on the cross, raised from the dead? Oh, no, no. My imam told me. So we kept talking to Kelvin for a few days. And it turns out Kelvin's a Christian. He didn't have any believers around him, we thought. And then we meet Preston, his roommate, who gets up every morning at 5 o'clock, reads his Bible, and Kelvin sees this and has been praying for this guy. So we look at Kelvin and say, Kelvin, do you understand that people have been praying for you and you have no idea who God sent to you? God sent me and my brother to you and your mom's probably been praying. So we made him get his mother on the phone in Kenya where she was excited we were there. And then she says, well, where's my money? You know, she was like, aren't you supposed to be there working, sending me money? And so that we hung up quick on that. So you say, well, but you were there for other reasons. You were in that country for other reasons. No, we weren't. You say, well, I got to go to work every day and I'm there to work. Yes, that's true. You ought to be the best employee they got. But you have to be available. And the answer has to be yes when the Holy Spirit says, now speak. Do what I put you here to do. Do what I left you here to do. And then extraordinary things start to happen. By the time we left Kelvin, man, he was flying. He was so grateful. He just had no encouragement. He had gotten derailed and told some things and lied to, and somebody spun him all around, and he just needed somebody bold enough to say, dude, there's nothing to that. That's not true. This is the truth. This is the gospel. Matthew chapter 26. I've referenced this a few times recently and keep coming back to this for some reason. Matthew 26, verse 36. This is after they've had the Passover together, before he's going to be arrested and crucified. Then Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So saying yes to Jesus is not always easy, okay? I'm not telling you, Jesus says, okay, here's what we're doing today. You're going to be martyred today. You're going to be killed for your faith. Good luck. That's not the morning mission statement. What if he revealed to you that's what was going to happen? That would be difficult. But you say, okay, Lord, but is this it? He said, yeah, this is my plan for you. And you say, okay, if that's your plan, then somehow you wrap your head around it and say, I trust you. Okay. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Forget dying on the cross. This could kill me. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed. And what does he pray? Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So what is his situation? The father has presented him with a cup. 
he is going to be asked to drink of this cup of suffering, of pain, of death, of sin, becoming sin. He who knew no sin becomes sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this is the cup that he's presented. And he has just presented a cup to the 11 before this. And he told them, you know, take, drink it. You know, they all partake of it, but now it's his cup. You say, well, what did he say? Even in the questions about the cup, what is built into his statement? My answer is yes, but I'm just asking if there is any way to get around this because I have some idea what's coming. Not my will though, your will be done. So if God's got suffering planned for your life, you say, well, I didn't sign up for suffering and this is what I keep trying to explain to people. Yes, you did. If you got married, you signed up for suffering. You say, well, you're just saying that because you're a man and, you know, women are like, dude, women suffer too. Look at us. We're selfish. Amen. Finally, one guy got honest over here, but he's right about him. He's really right about him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. His wife, see, they're still together for today, at least. You're going to suffer. And while we're on marriage again, you say, well, why did God bring me this person? I prayed. You're laughing way too loud. Where's your husband? <laughs> or did you not pray? You know, all these people complaining, well, I married a slug. Yeah, that's right. You married a slug. Did you even bother to ask God ever what his opinion was about this person you married? Well, no. Well, how do you think you ended up this way? I kind of encourage you, if you want to get married, do not ask me to marry you. I'm out. Now, if you persevere and say, no, I'd really like to talk to you, it's not going to be pleasant. I am going to disembowel both of you and be sure you say, well, it's none of your business. It's all my business. I don't want you back in my office after you do something stupid and make me try to fix it. Oh, we're having problems. Of course you're having problems. You're an idiot. No one can tell you anything, not even God. And I tried to slow you down. You couldn't be slowed down. You're going to do whatever you want to do. But for the people who say, okay, I prayed, I fasted. I asked everybody and I married this man. I married this woman and it's terrible. She's selfish. He's selfish. It's not working. Why did God do this? When God goes to purify a person, it takes heat. When he goes to sharpen a person, it takes friction. And so sometimes he puts you with the perfect tool to sharpen you with. Oh, now you're laughing. Yeah, you think that's funny. You say, I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be sharpened. I don't want to be made pure. I want to be happy. And so you say, well, I have the right to be happy. No, you have the right to remain silent and say, God, we're going to figure this out. If I said, how many of you have been married a long time and almost bailed somewhere along the way, or maybe you did bail and you've somehow survived, this room is filled with nothing but that. So God says, well, here's your cup. And you say, okay, I'm telling you already, my answer yesterday was yes. My answer today is going to be yes today and hopefully yes tomorrow, but I'm just telling you, this is hard. He says, I understand that. I've been there, but I'm asking you what you want to do. Well, if there's a way around it, I'm asking for that. But not my will, your will be done. And he says, well, my will is this. And you say, okay, let's go. Now, I encourage you to do something. You say, well, how does that work out for people? Find people who said no to Jesus and see what happened to their lives. It usually does not turn out well. You say, well, but they bought an island, you know, in the Caribbean. They got rich and, you know, these things happened. That all sounds good until you stand before Jesus and the fire hits your life and you got nothing to show for it because you ditched, you ditched. This goes back and forth. This is not a one-time deal. Jesus comes back, they're asleep, goes back again. If there's any way, not my will, your will be done. Goes back, they're asleep, goes back again. 
Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? And here comes Judas to betray him. But what had Jesus decided? Not my will, your will be done. We're headed to the cross. If you are a Christian, whether you have figured this out or not, you are headed to the cross. If you are going to follow Jesus, it always involves a cross, which means the loss of you, but the gain of him. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. You say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, then I can tell you how your life's going to go. Yeah, but I'm fine. You're a piece of work. You're miserable. You're going to end up bitter, angry, chasing some sin, just burning your whole life up. Over what? Because you wouldn't yield. If you want to see a couple who's going to make it, people see marriages in trouble, something's going on. People who reconcile consistently along the way have a chance of making it. If you lock down, I'm right, she says, I'm right, you're right, you're both right. And I try to explain this to people. It is better to be right than it is to be right. It's better for two people to be in a right relationship with each other than for one person. You say, well, but I'm right. I'm not going to yield on being right. Then how's this going to work? You got to find some ground, some place to apologize. You say, but she, 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 he, he, it's always, you know, it's all about pronouns now. Instead of stopping and saying, okay, Lord, I can't have war. And let me say this as gently as I can. If you got trouble in your house and you're a man, you are primarily responsible for that trouble. All these guys go, I'm the leader of my house. Well, then get off your and lead. What do you mean? Go first. That's leading, right? Go first. Hey, I'm sorry. I apologize. And the guy says, well, if I do that, and what if she doesn't apologize back? You're still a leader. You're going first. Give her some time. Might take her a while to get used to that. It's always fascinating to sit and watch people tell their children and then watch them teach kids how to share. Parents won't share. Teach kids how to apologize and tell them you're sorry. Then they won't do it with each other. And then the kids get angry. He's like, you're telling me to do a bunch of stuff you're not even doing. And we wonder why they don't want anything to do with our God. Because we say we love him, but we don't do what he tells us to do. If you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. Acts 9 verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he found any who were of the way, Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. On the way there, he gets encounters Jesus. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly a light shone around from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city. These are his specific instructions. Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now here's the story shifts. So he has encountered Jesus, he's blind, he can't see. He's three days in Damascus, the same city that he got letters to go persecute Christians. Verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. 
And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Okay, so that's pretty simple so far. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So this is Ananias in this vision telling the Lord, like, are you sure? Like, don't you know who this guy is? But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul's this great guy. But what was packed into his greatness? Suffering. And Ananias went. Now this is, you say, what you're oversimplifying it. This is the answer. Jesus appeared to Saul. All this stuff goes down. He appears to Ananias tells him what to do, and even after some questions, what does Ananias do? Verse 17, Ananias went. Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, and look at that word. He knows this guy's been hunting Christians, but acknowledges what he has been told about this man. Instantly, brother, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now, my question for you, first of all, is are you a Christian? Okay, you're a Christian. How old are you as a Christian? Oh, I've been a Christian for 30 years. And you are still dead as a doornail, unfortunately. Every once in a while, I keep coming back to this marriage thing. You ever meet people that have been married like 40 years and you think, I'm not even sure these people know each other. They kind of walk around, they'll sit at dinner, they don't have anything to say, they just kind of exist. They are technically married, but there doesn't seem to be much relationship. If you know God loves you and you love him and you love yourself and you know you're on the planet for a reason, how is something not changing? Now you say, well, I've only been a Christian for a couple of weeks now. I've seen people in two weeks lead people to Christ, just fresh out of the spiritual womb. Something has to change or something has gone terribly wrong. So if you're up and running, then the implication here. God picks Ananias partially, I believe, because he's at a place where when he speaks to him, he will get an Ananias went. Now, I am not 100% on this. I tell you stories. I get promptings. I go back. For years, I would hesitate. I'd argue, and then I'd miss opportunities. I am missing less opportunities, but I don't make them all because sometimes I'm dealing with me, I'm selfish, I'm angry, I'm sinful, I, you know, I get taken off track. But pretty quick, you come back and say, that's not how I wanna be, that's not how I wanna live. I'm back, Lord, what are we doing? And so you're listening for marching orders. You say, but I don't ever get any marching orders. It's not true, it's not true. If you will get still and quiet before him, spend time with him every day, and today, it's yesterday, you wake up and you say, okay, Lord, I don't know what it's going to look like, but my answer is yes, so here we go. It might be a little freaky. I'll give you that. I've had to do some things where a little, you know, a little uncomfortable, but it turned out okay. But you decide, okay, my answer is yes, Lord. He says, okay, here we go. 
Now, is he going to tell you to go knock on the White House door? Probably not. Is he going to appear to you in a vision? I don't know. There's enough in the book written down to keep you busy for quite a while. 2 Corinthians 1, a couple more. Look down at verse 20. This is pretty amazing verses. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, or so be it, to the glory of God through us. So if God makes you a promise, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to keep his promise. What are some of the promises? You're a Christian. He promised you new life. He had promised you abundant life, eternal life, power. Go back to Acts. You'll receive power. You can't be a Christian and not have power. Rest, peace. He'll supply all your needs. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Finish what he started. He says he'll come back. You're guaranteed that the answer is yes, especially on his promises. You say, but this is a hard stretch of road. Hang in there. A lot of people, some kind of New Year's resolution, sometimes you join a gym. This is a favorite time of year for gyms. I don't know what the percentage is, but like a ton of these people who come sign up will never be there. You think, well, do they build gyms for all the people that join? No, because they ain't coming back. You don't need a gym that holds all the members. They just signed up to feel better. But if somebody signs up and says, okay, I'm going to do this, the first few weeks is going to be miserable, miserable, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or Yeah, okay. You're going to be in pain. You're going to want to quit. I want my money back. This isn't working. I joined it for the juice bar. They're making me jump and move. But if you give it enough time, what happens? All of a sudden, you start feeling better. You just got to give God some time. You're going to suffer. But on the other side of that, there's a whole new way of living. So I hear. So, 1 John chapter 5. And I promise you not to read any verses out of Revelation, so we're almost done. How about that? And this is, I've read this before, but just to show you this is throughout Scripture. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God. So you say, what is the love of God? That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So what is God asking you to do that's just too heavy to carry? Oh, I just can't do that. The heaviest thing you're carrying around probably is the sin you won't put down. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, how about we lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you and let's run. Oh, I'm praying about that. I'm thinking about that. Okay, but I'm telling you, you were made to run. You can run, but you can't run with all this junk. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest, real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. So we're already on today. If you said yesterday, yes, today, it's going to be easier to say yes today and yes tomorrow. If you didn't say yesterday, yes, yesterday, it's going to be trickier today. But you start stringing this thing together, and all of a sudden, the yeses get easier. And if you make a choice in the morning, and I think this stuff happens early in the morning, 
you wake up and you say, Lord, whatever the question is, my answer is yes, instead of, oh, wow, I need a drink. Oh, wow, I just realized my stash is getting low. I got to find me some more weed. Oh, wow, I've kind of had this impulse to go steal something up at the Marshalls. It's always fascinating to me that people go, who would go to Marshalls and steal something? A thief. Well, there's no Christians that are thieves. Good luck with that. So if you wake up and your answer is no, how's your day going to go? You're just going to blow through it with your sin. But if you wake up and say, okay, Lord, today, yes. Yes, today. That's my answer, yes. Then all of a sudden you go, wow, this feels a whole lot lighter than this mess I've been carrying around my whole life. Because this has purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And my life is different. And the people around me, their lives are changing. And back to somebody being mean. Has it ever occurred to you that someone might be being mean to you because you're mean? They may not have started out that way. But because you showed up and you got all your baggage, then they react to that. And then that turns them into that. So what's the question? Are you going to obey? What's the answer? Yes, today and every day. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.